Today on the Bourbon Bites Podcast, I'm reviewing Glendalock Distillery's new Mizanara finished Irish whiskey and talking about several other finished whiskeys coming soon that I can't wait for. everyone and welcome to the Bourbon Bites podcast. I'm your host Clifton and today I'm so excited to delve back into the world of Irish whiskey. I feel like we really haven't done it much on the podcast since, you know, St. Patrick's Day um, and that's why I'm so grateful for the chance to review this new product from the Glendalock Distillery. Now I've only really featured their whiskey once on uh, my YouTube channel and that was their Poichin which is basically their version of Moonshine. So it was an unaged spirit. Um, so this is actually my first time trying their aged whiskey. Now this one is a seven year age statement, um, Irish whiskey, 46% ABV. This actually came out at the very end of February of this year and was available for about $99.99 um, per 750 milliliter bottle. Now this is a Mizanara cask finish, um, keyword finish. It wasn't aged entirely in the Mizanara oak, um, which is understandable because apparently Mizanara oak is extremely rare and extremely difficult to work with. Actually, it's one of the most sought after oaks for finishing in the whiskey world right now. According to the info from the distillery, it says this wood typically grows a bit twisted and it takes twice as long to age the actual oak, um, not, not the whiskey, but the oak, to be able to make the barrels for this because it's just so difficult to work with. Not only that, but they have to air dry it for three years and once it's actually made into a barrel, it's super porous. So it's, it's interacting with the whiskey in such a different way than I imagine most Irish whiskey does because a lot of times in Irish whiskey, they use used American whiskey barrels or used bourbon barrels. They're really careful, I imagine, with how long they actually finish this. They don't want the it to become over-oaked in a type of way. So I'm really excited to, like I said, not only try this Mizanara cask, but try Glendale Irish whiskey for the first time after it's been aged, which is exciting. So big shout out to the folks over at Glendalock for sending over this sample to review. Really, really excited to try it and give my thoughts for you guys. So let's go and give it a nose. Oh, whoa. So different than I expected. There's like some like meaty kind of notes there. Wow. I'm not super familiar with the Mizanara finish. I'm pretty sure I've probably had something that has used those casts before, but I wasn't expecting this to have such an intensely different nose that I'm used to. Now it could just be their whiskey. Like I said, I've never tried anything from them. It's seven years old, which is relatively old for an Irish whiskey. Now at the $100 price point, of course, it's probably, you know, a little bit, you know, younger than a lot of other whiskeys at that price point. Um, but I gotta say, this is unlike anything I've ever smelled before in the world of Irish whiskey. I think I gotta give this a taste. I don't really know what to say about it until I've tasted it. So let's go ahead and try. Cheers, guys. Ooh, wow. <laughs> I guess I was just caught off guard by how incredibly different that is. It's like the opposite of a lot of whiskeys I've had. And it, let me explain. This one up front is those really oaky, like really woody notes right up front. Then kind of mid palate, it goes into the typical Irish whiskey kind of shortbread, kind of baked good kind of note. But then it finishes with like a honey sweetness. So when I said backwards, I mean, a lot of times a whiskey will start with the honey, mid palate, go to that shortbread and then finish with the oak. This one's done a full 180. It's, it's that same kind of savory quality. It's got a little bit of like a bit of a brininess there too. A little bit of like a, a sour kind of like, you know, not sour in terms of like a lemon or like a lime, but more of like 
I mean, the closest thing I can relate it to is like an apple that's kind of been over-ripened. I used to go to apple orchards a lot when I lived in South Carolina and North Carolina. So sometimes the apples, you know, fell on the ground, you know, at the end of the season, started to, you know, um, get a little, <laughs> I don't want to say rot, but they used to, um, you know, you know, start turning a little brown on the ground. There's definitely some of those notes. It's like a unique tartness that I've, I've never really gotten on a whiskey. The oak is not necessarily like a you know, like a darker, richer, older oak. It's definitely bright. It's still in that bright kind of apple territory. Now, I do want to note one of their tasting notes they gave on the description was exotic. And I didn't really know what to take that as. I mean, exotic is such a broad term. I don't really know what that means, but this is so different than what I'm used to that I think exotic is very, very fitting for this, this, this nose and the taste. I mean, all in all, it's like a dried, like, apple peel, kind of, like, over-ripened apple nose. Honestly, on the nose, I probably wouldn't even be able to tell you that this is a uh, whiskey, let alone an Irish whiskey, believe it or not. I would probably immediately go to, like, a brandy or something, because it's so apple and so, like, fruit-forward. And it's not like green apple, you know, like we get with some some American whiskeys. It's more of like a like a red apple, maybe a little bit more, you know, tropical. Maybe apple's not the right fruit, but it's the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, I'm seeing some other tasting notes from other people saying lychee, which, you know, I've had some experience with, not recently. So I, I can't personally say I'm getting that on it, but, you know, it's something I don't have recent experience with, so I can totally see that being what this is because it's so different. But what's most interesting on the palate isn't just that, you know, strange savoriness up front. It's that sweetness, that honey sweetness on the end of the palate. One of my favorite notes in whiskeys, you guys know, is honey. So the fact that this is showing up on the end, but they're at the beginning, the only whiskey that's ever done that for me, honestly, has been E.H. Taylor's Small Batch, you know, bourbon. Now, this tastes nothing like that, but it has a similar kind of like honey floral kind of note on the finish that I would have never expected. Now, in terms of, you know, recommending it, like I said, it's $100, seven years old, 46% ABV. I think this one is so out of the box that I would have a hard time just, you know, blanket statement recommending it. This this is definitely something you got to try before you buy because it's so different from anything I've ever had before. It, just take any preconceived notion you have of Irish whiskey and just put it aside with this one because it's 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 almost like the equivalent of like a craft whiskey but with Irish whiskey. Now I haven't had much craft Irish. I think the closest thing to that is like Waterford, uh, but even this is is even stranger than Waterford, believe it or not. <laughs> I know uh, my friend Steven, who is a uh, listener of the podcast, a patron of the show, he actually bought a bottle of this, and he, his impression was kind of just like, oh, it's it's pretty good. Um, I'd love to get more of his thoughts on it. Hopefully he listens to this, and here's my reaction to it. I'd love to hear more about <laughs> what he really thought of it. Um, but I'm, I'm really glad to have tried it. it. It's not necessarily something that I would gravitate towards flavor profile-wise, but you gotta admit, that's something really interesting and different and unique, and I recommend it on that alone, but definitely try before you buy because I would hate for you to put down $100 expecting this to be like other Irish whiskeys, which y'all know, I love Irish whiskey as a category, and then just be so surprised and kind of confused by this. Um, definitely give it a try first, but otherwise, I think it's it's super unique, and I'm definitely uh, curious about other spirits from the distillery. But speaking of interesting finishes, I thought this would be a good time to talk about some upcoming whiskeys that I see on the radar uh, that have some either unique finishes or whiskeys that we typically don't see finished um, but are being finished. So these are some TTB labels that have been filed over the past couple of weeks um, with the most interesting finishes or mash bills that I feel like you guys need to know about. 
One of these is a brand that I've been hearing so much about and have very little experience with, and that is Starlight Distillery. So they have a single barrel Huber's release that is a rye whiskey finished in triple sec barrels. Now, the only thing that I can think of that's remotely similar to this is the Parker's Heritage that was finished in orange curacao barrels. I think that orange finish is super intense. Um, and I think rye whiskey holds on to brighter finishes like that really well. So I think rye whiskey actually would work even better than Parker's, dare I say, with a triple set kind of orange uh, finish to it. I would be very, very interested to try this. Now, this one is four years old. It's 109 proof. Um, so it's definitely higher proof. I'm really, really curious to try that one. I've heard some great stuff coming out of Starlight. I have had, like I said, no personal experience with the distillery. Um, but I just have some friends that love all of their special releases. So that's the first interesting one we have to look at. Next up are three different whiskeys from Law's Whiskey House. Now, this is, of course, out of Colorado. I've been hearing a lot about them. Again, another brand that I have not had a chance to try. However, these are from their Experiential Barrel Series. Um, so there are three different labels that were filed with the TTB that I'm looking at here. One is a straight bourbon whiskey, one is an American whiskey, and the other is a rye whiskey. But these all have really different finishes or mash fills. So the bourbon whiskey is a mash fill um, unlike any that I have ever heard of. So this one is 52% corn, 37% malt, and 11% wheat. So the secondary grain on this whiskey is a malt. So I assume that's like a malted barley. Um, doesn't necessarily say it does just say malt um, but this is going to be super super interesting because usually with bourbon the secondary grain is either the rye or the wheat we hardly ever i mean the the malted barley element of bourbon is usually very very little so the fact that that's the secondary grain at 37 percent is super interesting now this release is going to be five years seven months old it's going to be bottled at 62.6 percent abv um, so they give you all the barrel proof entry and all that non-chill filtered all this great info on the back of the label This is super super exciting, and I can't wait to try this No idea when this is coming. I know it was bottled on May 2nd um, So keep an eye out for sure with that one But laws has some other things in the works the next up is an American straight whiskey that is bottled at 47.5% ABV. This one is a 44% wheat whiskey, 32% rye whiskey, and 24% malt. So again, it's not enough to be considered a wheat whiskey. It's definitely not enough to be considered a rye whiskey or a bourbon. So this is just labeled as an American straight whiskey. Now the majority grain is the wheat, but there's almost equal parts wheat and rye in this one. Again, great example of a distillery really going experimental with their release. Now I know this is says experiential so it's not just an experiment it's an experience i maybe that's a tagline i don't know <laughs> but this is super interesting again this is bottled at 95 proof but yeah a wheat forward american whiskey that has some rye mixed in as well and no corn i honestly have no idea what to expect with this one but i can't wait to hear what people think of it and lastly from laws is a rye whiskey finished in sauternes cast now i've had a lot of whiskeys lately finished in sauternes cast and i really love how it impacts the flavor especially of bourbons. I don't think I've had too many rye whiskeys that have used this cask as a finish, um, but I'm definitely interested to see how it does. I've actually been enjoying quite a few Sauternes wines just after having that previous live stream where I tried a bunch of different dessert wines. That was absolutely one of my favorites. Big shout out to my friend Swan again for sending me a bottle of that recently. I've been really, really enjoying as a nice after dinner wine. 
Um, now this one is 47.5% ABV, so of course bottled at 95 proof. Um, mash bill is 100% San Luis Valley rye. So it says 50% of that is raw and 50% is malted rye. So that's definitely gonna be a really interesting flavor profile there. Now this one is actually six years old. Um, and it is distilled, aged, and bottled by laws in Colorado. So this isn't your typical, you know, Indiana rye that's been finished in a certain type of cask. This is actually, you know, their own distillate. I'm really, really excited to see how this um, expresses itself. I love Sauternes finish. I mean, I'm gonna have to reach out to laws because I think this sounds like a really great live stream. What do you guys think? If so, I'll definitely reach out to them. I'd love to have them on the show. Next up are a couple new releases from Sagamore Spirits. Um, these are distillery only releases, which is very unfortunate because I'm a huge, huge Sagamore rye fan. Uh, there's two TTB labels. One is a rum agricole cask aged rye, and the other is a monk mead cask aged rye. So the rum one is aged four years in charred new oak barrels, and then aged one year and 11 months in the rum agricole barrels. We see a lot of kind of rum finished rye. That's not, you know, the most unique thing I've ever seen before. Now, that's not to say it's not going to be great. I love Sagamore rye, um, but the one that's got me the most interested is the Monk Mead Cask Rye. So again, this is four years old and then aged one year and 10 months in a Monk Mead barrel, which if you didn't know, mead is a type of fermented alcoholic beverage made from honey. Y'all know I'm a sucker for honey. We talked about those honey notes on that Glendalock we just had. Um, so that finish is super, super exciting. Now, I'm really curious to see how a mead finish impacts a whiskey compared to a honey barrel finish, um, which speaking of which, we have a label for one of those too. Um, surprisingly, I, I definitely wouldn't have expected this, but this is actually coming from Woodford Reserve. So they have a new release called Woodford Reserve Honey Barrel Finish. Of course, this is still their bourbon whiskey that's been finished in honey barrels. Now, based on the label, I assume this is also a distillery only release. It looks like it's in the 375 milliliter bottles. Um, now, this is also only 90.4 proof. What is it with these low proof releases, guys? If you're gonna go big, go big. I wanna try these whiskeys with these, you know, intense flavors in a big, bold expression of themselves. I don't want the watered down, you know, 90, 93 proof. Um, especially when you're dealing with some intense finishing like mead and honey and things like that. Um, you gotta you gotta let us try the cast strength for us to really be sold on the idea. Now that's just my opinion. Don't get me wrong, there are some fantastic whiskeys that are below cast strength. I'm a bit of a high proof hound. However, uh, I do appreciate some lower proof whiskeys. It's just when you're dealing with American whiskey limited releases, um, especially some of these high priced items, I kind of feel a sense of entitlement, like almost like, hey, this sounds wrong. I don't wanna say we, de we deserve you know these high proof releases, but but, I mean, you know, when the master distiller and the master blender are, are trying these whiskeys, I'm sure they are trying them at castrant first. And, you know, if they fall in love with something at cast strength, I don't want to try the, you know, watered down or filtered version of what they experienced and what they chose. I want to try it exactly as they had it. Now, I know a lot of times they do a lot of experimenting, you know, finding the perfect proof, which is great. I, I know a lot of them, you know, do that. They try the cast strength, like, hey, you know, it was good at cast strength, but man, add a little bit of water and it's a fantastic whiskey. I appreciate that. And, you know, that might be the case with these too. But man, I had the opportunity to try a Garrison Brothers um, honey, uh, I think they call it honeydew. Um, and they have the standard release, of course, that is that is lower proof. But we actually had a tasting at a place in Los Angeles with the brand, and they let us try a cask strength version of the Honeydew. And man, was it fantastic! It completely blew me away. I think you know, giving me a big bold whiskey with a 
big intense finish like honey is just you know right up my alley so um i i would encourage brands that are doing some crazy finishes you know feel free to put out you know a lower proof standard release but maybe kind of pull an ard bag and you do a committee release or something like that with the high proof cast strength version i think i know i would pay it i don't know about you guys but <laughs> i definitely would and lastly is a series of new whiskeys I've never heard of before. They're under the name Red Line. Now these are all Indiana distilled whiskeys, so um, I assume they're an independent bottler of you know Indiana Ryan, Indiana bourbon. Um, but there's a whole set of these coming out soon. Now these are all, um, you know, I, I want to say cast strength. They all look like to be at 120 proof. So I don't know if that's a placeholder or they're actually, you know, proof to 120. Um, but I know a lot of Indiana whiskey is typically around that range, maybe a little bit higher. So I'm not exactly sure. Um, but I want to read off a couple of these labels while I'm looking at them because there's a lot of ones coming out soon. Now these are all single barrels, but the first one is a straight bourbon whiskey finished in maple syrup X bourbon barrels. Now these are part of their experimental cask series. Now not to be confused with the experiential barrels from Laws, um, although very similar <laughs> idea there with the experimenting. But that's just one of a few. Let me read off a couple others of these just so you guys are in the loop with these uh, these red lines. Again, I've never heard of them before. The next is a bourbon whiskey finished in French oak apple brandy casks, also at 120 proof. Then there is another bourbon finished in XO cognac casks, and yet another bourbon finished in Barbados rum casks. And finally, there is a straight bourbon whiskey finished in vanilla brandy casks. Now, this is, you know, it, it, the further I read, the little more hesitant I got. You know, some of these labels sound kind of similar to another brand that's doing a bit of finishing where they add some flavors like caramel, cocoa, vanilla to their to their single barrels and their, you know, finishes. Um, they've got a lot of controversy lately. I'm not going to name them by name. Again, I don't know them personally. have not had the chance to try any whiskeys from that uh, bottler, so I can't, you know, criticize it without, you know, having bias based on what I've heard from other people. But... The, some of these do sound a little bit suspicious. However, we do know it's Indiana Whiskey, which I think that brand is as well that I was speaking of. Um, I would like to know a little bit more details. Again, we're just going off of the label here. I'm sure when this actually comes out, they're going to be a lot more transparent with um, what the whiskey is, you know, the age, how long it was finished, you know, how it was finished, you know, were these barrels, especially like the, the one that I read last, the vanilla brandy cask. I've never heard of vanilla brandy. Now, maybe that's just my ignorance. Um, I just don't know what vanilla brandy is. <laughs> Either way, I love to see brands experimenting. Um, now, these seem to be from a distillery called Silent Brigade Distillery out of Paducah, Paducah, Kentucky, I think it is. Um, so I'm not sure if that's, you know, a pseudonym for another another brand. Haven't heard of them before. Um, I wish them well. I do love experimenting with finishes. Y'all know I love a really unique finish. I just hope they're doing it transparently and they're not just, you know, adding some flavorings in like, you know, other brands do. <laughs> But that's about it today. Um, it's been a pretty crazy week in my personal life. Those of you on Patreon kind of know what's going on. I don't want to get into it here on the podcast. Not that, you know, I, I do plan to hide it, but I just <laughs> I did a whole rant over on uh, Patreon. So if you guys are not yet supporters of the show and you want to get an insight into not just the future of the show and the podcast, but also a little bit of my personal life, because I am going through some stuff right now, um, you can join patreon.com slash bourbon bites for as little as $2 a month. It really does help support the show show and the channel and the higher tiers get access to some fun things like hangouts and a private subscription box that goes out every single month. So definitely check that out. But thank y'all so much for listening. This has been the Bourbon Bites podcast, a whiskey podcast with a gaming twist. I'm Clifton. 
Cheers, and I'll talk to you next episode.